Христос Анести, Христос Воскресе, Today is the Paschal Sunday, and we are celebrating the healing of the paralytics. And Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. That's a strange thing uh, that the Jews can, were concerned that he was doing probably manual labor on a Sunday, and Jesus did not hang around to be criticized by him. He sort of went on into the temple area. Now, why this healing is put at this point in the gospel text is that Jesus went up to the temple area for the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days. And uh, we celebrate on at the 50 days the descent of the Holy Spirit and the apostles, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the church. He says in the gospel that he met him there and told him to sin no more. So that's what I'm going to address today is the problem of personal sin. Not the greater problem of the fall and original sin. We do that usually during Lent. A personal sin is probably the most difficult thing to deal with, but it's the child of our fall and our passions, which we inherit from the fall and our ancient father, Adam. The ascetical liturgy, uh, uh, literature of the church is always, has tons about asceticism, living an ascetical life. And sometimes we read uh, spiritual reading for being edified, to encourage us to live the Christian life, the ascetical life. Other times we have to read it for correction, to make it possible. And we have to be familiar with the tradition of the church in liturgy. So we have three sources to teach us about living Christianity. In the first 200 years of the church, uh, the most important thing that the fathers were dealing with was liturgy. Uh, getting a text, stabilize, stabilizing the liturgy. And of course, our Byzantine rite liturgy was completely established by the year 1000. And probably by the 7th century, Justinian it had been codified. Now, we believe the codification of the liturgy is the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, once it was stabilized, we cannot say there were never any changes after that, because we were using sometimes different languages, 
and different numbers of psalms and things like that. Uh, but every, and different translations. It's always a problem to translate the liturgy. So it's sort of, it's understandable by the people and sort of have to understand that liturgy creates theology. Prayer creates theology. And theology stabilizes prayer. So the three sources of life in the church are the theology, the melody of theology in the church, the text of the liturgy, and of course, the writings of the fathers. If you're not familiar with these three sources, you're lacking in your Christian education. But a lot of it we get from the celebration of the liturgy. We monks are fortunate because we have canons every day at Matins. And in those canons, there's a complete course of theology of the church and history and spirituality. But unfortunately, because we live in this world which has changed now due to this pandemic we're living through, there's more time to do something with. We should be looking at our Christian roots, reading the holy books, making a greater effort at reading the prayers, and um, forming ourselves intellectually. The intellect uh, forms the noose. The noose is part of the soul. And it's there that we learn of God and he comes to visit us in the heart where God really lives in you. I was talking to one of the dear ladies here this morning. He was looking at the books in the little bookstore we have there. I told her about St. John of the Cross, excuse me, of the latter, and uh, how he wrote a book um, about the steps to perfection. He didn't say, if you read this book, you're going to be perfect. Only God's grace can make you perfect. But you have to create a condition in your mind, your heart, in your news, so that God can come work on you. That he can come with his divine energies and sanctify you. Now the great thing about that is when you fall apart and die, those things go with you. That holiness. And God looks at that. He looks for the identity of his son in you, those energies that you share with the Savior. We're so fortunate to have a holy trinity that God revealed us to us, especially in John's gospel. It's probably the most sublime gospel. The others are important, but it is absolutely 
wonderful. He teaches us about I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one, and he's in me and I in him. And you are in me. This Trinitarian life, which was established in us, the life of grace or the energies. It does not happen without liturgy, sacraments. It does not happen without a disciplined life, asceticism. And those two things are the condition by which we become a person of deep prayer. So we could say with Paul, I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. In the seminary, Dunwoody, St. Joseph's, we had China at uh, meals. I don't know what kind of China it was, but written on it was, for me to live as Christ. I live now, now I'm not Christ lives in me. So we ate our breakfast and our lunch and our dinner on these beautiful sayings. I hope we paid attention to them. If you, you would ask me, and I am no expert because I don't know everything in the whole world about the church everywhere. I keep learning lots of wonderful things. I would say the greatest problem with the whole church, not only the Western church, but all the churches, is they look for perfection somewhere else. I remember um, when I was in high school, I worked in a ruler factory after school because I wanted some money. So I went to work about 2.30 and I came out of there about 4.30 and then I came home and had my dinner and then I was set down at the table to study. It was very important studying in the family. So anybody in the house, they didn't turn on a radio and they didn't turn on a TV and they didn't make any noise, they were quiet, they read, and they sometimes prayed. And they said, why, Joe is studying. What was I studying? I was studying school books. And I like to read novels. I like to read prayer books. I was looking for the keys to the mystery. So finally, I decided after working in a ruler factory, I was not going to be a laborer. I was going to get an education. So, I went to an academic high school on my own insistence. I did okay. I, was I got into three different colleges and chose the one I wanted. I went to Michigan State University. My dad wanted me to go there. While I was at Michigan State University, before I went there, actually I went to junior college, see if I could do the work. 
I could, on the honor roll, God's gift, because I never figured I was that bright. And I went to university, and I came out with two degrees, one in agriculture, as you know, and one in education and philosophy and history. I love history. I like agriculture, too. I still do. I'm prone to be a country boy. But I turned out to be a city boy. Why was I studying? I studied for 40 years. I got two master's degrees. One in, uh, of course, it's called a master's divinity. It's a professional degree for a priest. And one in patristics, the fathers of the church in history. Then I went on to spirit, to study spirituality in Fordham, Greek, in Latin, in Boston, Middle Latin, in John Kelly University. And finally, when I got out here, I went to Gonzaga and finished up my doctorate, but I didn't write the book yet. Maybe I never will, but I should write the book. What was I looking for? The knowledge of the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus Christ. All those books, all those philosophies, all that history is the confusion of people writing a thing about God and about the world and politics and fighting with each other and ignoring Christ. It's called secularization. So that we're at the point now where we value and we don't value a college education anymore because it's become political sized. Even moral questions, which are settled by our Judeo-Christian tradition, are now part of politics. The questions of life, the questions of finance, the questions of business. But the most important thing is your personal spiritual life. Do you live an ascetical life? People occasionally come for spiritual direction. And do not be confused. Spiritual father is one who prays for the people that come to him. He doesn't necessarily teach them. They not be ready. not be ready to take the steps necessary to struggle with the prayer of the heart. And then he has to listen to them. Not as, a lot of them are not very honest. They don't really tell you what's going on in their heart. They don't want you to know. But unfortunately, spiritual fathers are intuitive. And they quickly find out, especially if they've been praying for years, what goes on in the heart. Your greatest enemy is your passions and the devil. 
and he's equipped to destroy you using your own passions. You have to learn to fast, to pray, to be quiet, and read the holy books. If you really want to go to heaven, and then there's no guarantee. Because the real guarantee is seeing the image of Christ in your heart. The man at the well was sick physically, but Jesus wanted to accomplish more than that with him. But he was being criticized, so he left there. He always more or less says to them, go and sin no more. It's a hard thing to do because we have to live with ourselves. But this is what the Master wants. If you love me, you'll keep my commandment. I have no doubt that most Christians in some way or another have faith because it's a gift to them. Some of them have some charity usually too much towards themselves and not enough towards others because it's hard to be charitable and deal with your passions. Marriages break up. People steal. They use unkind words with their neighbor and they justify it because their ego, the devil's workshop, our, the God's workshop is our heart. So I mentioned to you at the beginning of this homily today that we are all sick inside. We need to be healed by Jesus Christ and his loving kindness and his grace so that we live in union with the Father as he does. That's our magnificent obsession. That's our magnificent occupation. I'm learning through this uh, pandemic that most people are can't stand to be alone. Married people can't stand to be with each other, not all, but I get some funny things in email about that. And um, they closed our churches. That's where we should be. But we're more afraid about the health of the body than the health of the soul, our inmost being. Maybe we're just too immature to understand our situation. But this endemic is teaching you our situation. Many soon and all are soon to depart. And then whether they find the proper uh, sermon to uh, take of us needles or whatever to cure this thing, which I hope they do, because our world is suffering, it's never going to be a thing. We're never going to be as affluent as we were. Even now, things are going to become harder to get. 
but maybe we'll be spiritually richer because we'll reevaluate and understand what life is about. It's not being entertained all the time. You're all worried about the sports. Who cares about sports? It's nowhere in the Bible. They ruin Constantinople sports. They have riots. It's not about food. Although some of us are not disciplined to eat modestly. It's not about sex because that will destroy you. It's a dubious gift to mankind for reproduction, not for anything else. It's not the wonderful indoor sport. But your preoccupation with God, your daily meditation as you work and live in the quiet of the world even now, should be the Holy Trinity, the sacraments, the prayer books, the wisdom of the fathers. And you will experience, you paralytics, healing. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.